from ABC, it's No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game, trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there, and all the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. So you might remember today's guest from episode 20, if you're keeping track, of No Limits. Kara Golden is the CEO and founder of Hint Water. I came home and uh, told my husband that I am going to launch this beverage company (laughs) and I'm pregnant with our fourth child. (laughs) And like, where do you want to start? If you haven't listened to that episode with Kara, highly recommend it. Go back. Relive the magic. She talks all about how she created Hint Water as a mother of four from the ground up. But today I'm talking to Kara again, and this time it's about knowing when your business is ready to open a physical store location. Because Hint Water did just that. It opened its first storefront just a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to dive into that decision, how to decide whether or not your business should do it, where you should do it, the benefits and the risks. Here's our conversation. Kara Golden, welcome to No Limits. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's so exciting to be back here. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. You're our very first guest who's back for round two. Um, for those of you who are just getting to know Kara, you're the founder and CEO of Hint. Yes. Which we are drinking right now, the lovely Hint water, zero sweeteners or calories. I'm drinking a cherry. You're drinking a... I'm drinking cherry, too. This is my summer go-to these days. It's so. really good. And it's nice. You brought it cold, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Yes. Only for you, Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who want to get to know a little bit more behind the scenes of how Hint came to be, we have a full episode dedicated to that. But part of the reason I wanted to talk to you today is that you've recently opened your first storefront. Yes. 1,500 square feet, which is bigger than a lot of... It's bigger than my apartment. Yes. I'll tell you that. And bigger than a lot of apartments in New York City in San Francisco. And I want to get to, because I think it's a big question facing a lot of founders, what's the right time, if there is a time, to open a storefront? So what was it that said, Kara, you got to do the storefront? So we have had our office on and still have our office on Union Street. And it's interesting, Union Street in San Francisco is going through this um, very challenging time, actually, where people are really, really surprised. When I moved there many, many moons ago, almost 20 years ago, Union Street was this super hot place that sort of wedged in between Pacific Heights, where all the fancy houses are, and the marina where, you know, lots of kids right out of college are, are moving into. The bay is right there. It's a really awesome place. Nine years ago, we went in and took over a space, and we always sold Hint out of the space. We were continuing to build our brand in Whole Foods and lots of stores and college campuses and online, et cetera. Initially, it was like five cases a week. Then it turned into 20 cases. And so so we really started to see, like, not only was it for convenience that people wanted to do this, but also we felt like we got to communicate with the brand. And so we... There was a space that opened up right in front of our office. And frankly, I kept saying, you know, if if a soda company goes in in front of my office yeah. or a cannabis dispensary or maybe a nail salon, <laughs> I'd be super bummed out. And so I'm like, gosh, you know, it's basically the price of a billboard. Why don't we actually open this space? And we just thought, like, let's make it a fun experience where consumers can come in and get to know us 
taste all of what we have in our selection and they can buy or not buy or just tell us why they love Hint. We will post pictures on my Instagram account so people can see Mm -hmm. uh, the store in San Francisco. But this idea of the omni-channel strategy needing to be everywhere. So a couple of years ago, everybody said, oh, nope, you can just be online because you don't need to have that physical touch point. Is part of the thinking there that because so much is coming at us, if you as a business aren't everywhere, then you're going to miss the consumer somewhere? I've never once feared that. Um, I know that that discussion is definitely has been going on, is to some extent still going on. But for me, I I look at my own life, my friends' life, my kids' lives, right? Um, I have four teenagers now, which is totally frightening, <laughs> right, on so many levels. But I feel like it's really about, like, I don't think one single channel is going to go away, right? I think it's just, you know, there's so many more options out there for people to experience your brand. And and so we're actually able to tell that story in our store as well versus like at Whole Foods or in a marketing campaign or, you know, even online. It's just not – it's just – maybe it's not appropriate. It's just there's not enough space. Mm-hmm. We don't own it, right? So – I feel like it just offers us another opportunity to kind of, you know, tell our own story and have control over and have it. and have control over it. And then, you know, what we've seen by launching all the rest of these um, distribution channels for the consumer is that the consumer may still go into Whole Foods, and we hope they do and buy a few bottles of Hint. They may go to Target to buy kind of their bulk items or Costco or whatever to go and do that, and they can purchase our product there. But they'll see the ads that they're – when they go in and do a little more research on the product or they, you know, see the podcast or hear the podcast with us, they'll start to, you know, understand more about the brand. And if they live in one of the cities that we have our store in – I mean, currently it's just San Francisco, but we've had such great response. I mean, it, we're really excited to potentially launch in some other cities as well. We just think that it all works together. You know, you mentioned being at this location for the last nine years. And – Figuring out a location, for example, Whole Foods or Starbucks, when they decide where to locate, Mm -hmm. there are millions of dollars that go into the research behind which location is the best location for our business. And yes, you were already at this location, but if you weren't already at the location, how would you make the choice about where physically to be? So it's interesting. We um, so we've been on Union Street for a while, but I remember when SoulCycle was actually looking to come to San Francisco. Some of my friends were over there, and uh, you know they knew I lived in San Francisco, and they said, "Where would you open?" And I said, "So look, Union Street. The interesting thing about this is that if you live in Marin County, over the Golden Gate Bridge, you rarely go past this area of Pacific Heights. There's." lots of great restaurants around there. There's like, you know, you just want to go back over the bridge and go back over there. So I said, unless you're actually opening a studio in Marin, you really want to be in this section. So they ended up 
going in right across the street from us. And then actually, I learned a few weeks ago that the Casper guys, they opened two doors down from us. And I said to them, oh, yeah, you guys are neighbors. You're, you know, a few doors down from our office and our retail store. And he said, you know, that we actually took that space because we saw the hint sign. And I and I said, really? And he said, yeah, you know, it was you. And then we saw SoulCycle across the street and North Face is there. And so basically, this is ending up to be this hub of, you know, really, really great brands, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, in answer to your question, I really think it's about like, being with like minded brands that really are serving the customer. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it doesn't have to be. I mean, Casper has a very different model than us, right? They don't have but someone might need um, refreshments when they're testing out their bed. And definitely when they're on a soul cycle. Right. And then you go to the soul cycle and you go buy some stuff at Sephora as well. And yeah, so I I definitely work up a thirst at Sephora. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. So I really think that that is the that is the key thing to real estate. And ages ago, I, I ran AOL's uh, e-commerce uh, marketplace business. And it was the same thing. I mean, when we when you talk to brands, like they all wanted to be where brands were, even if they were competitors, right? right. It's like, you know, if, why two gas stations locate across the street from each other? A hundred percent. So, you know, J. Crew would always be looking at Nordstrom's, right? Like, who do you aspire to be? Or who do you feel like you would jive with, even if you don't know, you know, the founders of the company? I mean, you're really looking for brands that your customers have appreciate. Real estate prices have gotten insane, and especially in San Francisco. And I think that that's something a lot of founders have to contend with. I mean, I see it in New York. There are so many vacancies now because the cost of real estate is just so high. It's hard to actually maintain a profitable business. Yeah. And I think that the the deals are out there. I mean, I how do you find them, Kara? I walk up and down the streets and, and then I call every number and call the numbers. And how do you handle the lease terms? I mean, are you looking at it? Should should because I would think if you were going to sign up for that, like, what is it? Five year lease? That's that's a lot of risk right there. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be around at this point. <laughs> I'm not talking about you explicitly. Yeah. I'm talking about as a business, you know, there are businesses that haven't been around as long yeah. as you guys have been around that are looking for storefronts and to sign up for that extended period of time is a lot. Yeah. Well, and I think it really if you look at it from a marketing perspective, I mean, if I was to pick today, if I'm launching a brand and I was trying to decide, do I want a bunch of billboards for a month or where no one can buy anything from where them. no one can buy anything from them and experience the brand. And I only have, you know, whatever, two feet by three and a half feet to actually tell my story or do a storefront. If I could find the right deal in the right neighborhood and then I think I would probably go do this. And I think, you know, the thing that we've done, too, is really we actually have four spaces on Union Street now and we have 45 people there. And part of each of our offices is um, part retail or event space and the other part is office space. And so, you know, we're really looking at it as, you know, office space slash I mean, Tom's Shoes um, down in Venice. I mean, it was the same thing. Snapchat, they didn't really have anything to sell, but they were, you know, started their offices as well. So I think this is kind of the new model um, where people are actually like, 
you know, figuring out, like, how do I actually create a space that is, you know, usable in multiple ways so I could justify the cost? So we talked last time you were here about the worst advice you got in general. Let's talk specifically about the storefront space. Mm -hmm. What is the worst advice you received regarding your location and opening a hint store? Well, I think just like the sunscreen, everybody was like, what are you doing? Retail is dead. Like, why Why would you want to do this? And again, I felt like, you know, maybe that's not the most strategic plan, but I thought if somebody comes in here, if, you know, if one of the big soda companies decides to just bother me and like plop in right in front of me, I'd be really pissed, right? Like, I wouldn't like that very much. So I thought, you know... We're going to do this for our reasons and and open it up. And, I mean, I'm so happy that I didn't listen to all those naysayers out there because I don't think retail's dead. I think retail is challenged by, you know, these higher rents in certain cities. And, and I think that definitely people um, – you know, don't necessarily want to do all of their shopping that way. And I think that online shopping and is really about communities and or inconvenience and and um, and but I really think that there's still a part of me that still wants to walk down a great street. Like I, you know, I see it in New York, even in parts of Madison, Madison, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just a lot of the stuff is shut down. And, it's and really depressing. It's depressing, right? It, so. it, I often ask the question, so if all of these places eventually close, then what's the point of even living in a city? Because yeah. the whole purpose of being in a city is that you have all of these little storefronts and things that you happen upon that are great little experiences. And if that's all gone, totally, people are going to leave the city. Totally. I mean, I remember when I moved here years ago, right after college, my I lived down in Greenwich Village, and my mom said, be sure to like visit the dry cleaners and be sure to visit the local <laughs> coffee shop. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she was like, you don't want to live in an area that doesn't have like commerce yeah. going on. You want to live in an area where you're supporting. So if retail dies, then, you know, if everybody goes shopping on, you know, Amazon, then I think like we all lose ultimately. And so I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that we're in a little bit of a slump right now with retail, but I really believe that, you know, once once real estate, you know, commercial real estate people get the message that, you know, you're not going to be paying like crazy dollars to have, you know, real estate where you can't actually touch the brand. You mean when prices come back when, down yeah, to earth? Yeah, when they come back down to earth. You mentioned Amazon a minute ago. So I just want to touch on Amazon briefly. If we all shopped on Amazon all the time, what would happen to the rest of things? As a company, how do you think about that? We love Amazon, actually. I mean, we and, and truly, I mean, we like we launched five years ago on Amazon, got a phone call when they were launching their grocery business and they wholesaled a bunch of product from us and they threw it on. And very quickly, we became one of the number one products in their grocery business. And they launched Amazon Prime. We had a huge subscription business. Um, with them and, and still do. And the main reason why I wanted to launch our own drinkhint.com was that we have 23 flavors. No buyer, whether it's Amazon or Whole Foods or Stop and Shop or whatever, is going to buy all 23 flavors, right? 
they might do it for somebody like Coke or Pepsi, but they're not going to do it for a young, growing brand like Hint. The questions from many people who, you know, investors in our company as well as our board was, you know, Amazon's going to kill you. And like when you're like they're going to be able to cut prices, be lower than you, whatever. But what they're never going to have is the whole selection. So they may undercut us on prices. Customers will say, oh, it's cheaper on Amazon. It's cheaper in Target. We're like, you should go buy it there. And we mean that sincerely because we love that business. But this is what we're doing. We're offering selection. We're offering convenience. And that is, you know, that's what we do here. So what we found is that those businesses, since we launched our own direct-to-consumer business, are growing significantly over 100% year-over-year growth. And, you know, I had a buyer who called me six months ago and said, you know, I'm really upset because uh, I had a customer come in here and they can buy cherry from you online. And I'm like, that that's right. They can buy cherry online. And he was like, well, you know, why don't we have cherry? And I'm like, because your buyer didn't want cherry. And so we'll sell you cherry. And he was like, well, why didn't my buyer buy the cherry? I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, right? <laughs> talk to like, your buyer, man. Yeah, talk to your buyer, right? Like that's that's the uh, – so it puts you in – it puts you in a better position to be able to sleep at night, right? Have your own – you know, have multiple channels of distribution where your customer can actually get your product and – you know, also, if one isn't going so well, if Amazon decides to, you know, make some significant change or Facebook decides to change an algorithm, like whatever it is, if you have multiple channels of distribution as a CEO, you can actually, like, service the customer better. Kara Golden, thanks so much for Thank joining you. us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. Remember, if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends. If you or someone you know should be featured here on No Limits as the Entrepreneur of the Week, send me your nomination to No Limits with RJ Podcast at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Rebecca Jarvis. You can always reach out to me there. And I want to give a special shout out to the team here who makes this happen every week. My outstanding producer, Taylor done, our awesome editor, Michelle Boncardo, my wonderful research assistant, Annie Osakwe, and the rest of the team here at ABC Radio, all rock stars, all helping to make No Limits a reality. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.